Yo, welcome to Peace of No Mind. My name is Raymond Tanner and this is the podcast where I'll be interviewing amazing individuals as I find out what a peace of mind means to them and some of the valuable lessons they've learned throughout their journey. Each episode has been recorded at a different stage throughout lockdown, pandemic, just overall COVID living. If you like this podcast, make sure to hit me up, subscribe, send it to a colleague, send it to a friend, just send it on and follow me on socials at Peace of No Mind Show on Instagram and Peace of No Mind on Twitter. Anywho, it's been a minute. foremost man yeah. i wanted to introduce the man the guy himself Noel clark actor <laughs> screenwriter director and comic book writer from london described as the most prolific black british movie star in british film bro that's a big description man yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a long one but do you know what <laughs> but do you know what part of that part of that is is it's interesting because, you know, you just said that there and I, I tweeted something the other day, you know, part of that having to do all of those things doesn't yeah. come from, never came from the want to do all of those things originally. It came from necessity. And that comes from being, not being given opportunities. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it's interesting that I've gone on to do all those things, but I think had I not gone on to do all those things, I might be homeless. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, but that's real. So you had to carve and make room for spaces that, you know, weren't naturally giving you space anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there's one thing, when it was like comic book writer, I was like, hold on. So I had to go and do a little digging. I was like, bro, no one knew you were out here writing comic books. Like, what was what the truth, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you Have you seen it at all? <laughs> yeah, I did. I had a look at it. I was like, that looks that looks sick, man. It might have to be one of those that I have to pre-order. But yeah, you order. should check it out. You should check it out. Because actually, it, it's, it's, you know, if you like my writing, it is a comic book where you look at... You, you take a teenage team, it's a lot darker than the usual ones, which is why Titan wanted to do it. I'm super proud of that, man. I love it dearly. And is that something you can see yourself doing more of, or is that just more of a project that lived at that time? It was just a project that lived at that time. I'm, I would love to do more of the troop, but I don't think it made... I think it only made... I think they wanted to make more money because it was me, yeah. and it only made the regular amount of money. So okay. then they kind of were like, well... We don't Hold really on a know. minute. Um... Yeah, no, I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> No, so like, how have you kind of been keeping over the last few days? Like, what is, how's, how's lockdown been treating you? Yeah, it's all right, man. Lockdown for me has been okay. I mean, I write a lot anyway. So, well, I get less time. In fact, I've had more time to write with, with, with lockdown. Mm. Um, it hasn't been, it's been hard to not see grandparents, like, my, well, my, um, the kids seeing the grandparents, like my mum and, and dad and all that. But mm. the, I'm quite solitary anyway. And, you know, we, our family's pretty tight. Like we're not out all the time and stuff like that. The kids do miss going out with their friends and football and all that stuff. But we're, we're homebodies generally. So, you know, apart from the odd, you know, the weekends where we would go out to eat and have restaurants and have lunch and I'd take the kids cinema, it hasn't been terrible. So we, I, I, I've been rather, I'd rather stay in than, than everyone gets sick, you know. So it kind of felt like a natural transition anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't yeah. terrible. And um, was there anything that it's taught you about yourself, like lockdown as a whole, or is it just that I love being at home and I don't need outside unless I'm filming? Yeah, kind of that, man, really. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I, don't, I don't mind being at home. Uh, what has it taught me about myself? 
really. Just what I, stuff I already knew. I'm pretty self-aware, man. I'm quite disciplined. Like, so I get up every morning. Every morning, I'm up at six. Latest quarter past six. And I get on the exercise bike. And I'll bust two hours before the kids get up. So they because, say five and six o'clock is like the power hour. But I don't even know, man. I just know I've always been, <laughs> I've always been an early riser. And for me, like, my thing is, it's discipline, isn't it? It's discipline. It's even when I'm tired, it don't matter what time I go to sleep. Mm. That's the time I'm getting up. <clears throat> and I can get on the bike and I can get these, these because it's getting them, them steps in that, you know, because one thing you miss on lockdown is you're not walking around as much and people are putting on weight and all this business. I'm not looking to really do that. No, you're definitely you know? not, bruv. I've seen a few of your Instagram pics. You're looking yeah. wham. You're yeah. looking wham, bro. So it's trying to maintain maintain mm. as much of that as possible until you can get back in the gym properly, you know? No, I hear that. It's one of those, like, what lockdown changed for me a little bit because I found the plug. The guy who delivers fresh mango and coconuts <laughs> to your door. Like, yeah, yeah. bro, I found the guy who delivers Amazing. fresh coconuts to your door. Amazing. Um, but the actual joke of it was... I, he delivered it and I, I thought it would be just in its like in the hairy shell it was so fresh it came with the green sort of outer <laughs> body and I'm yeah, there yeah. now with a bread knife trying to work out how I'm getting into this coconut bro yeah, it was yeah, actually hilarious. jokes it was the worst situation bro I had to carve for like 10 minutes just to Funny. get into the, the uh, silly man proper silly but um, he, must be, he must be loving life right now that guy listen he's, he's bringing listen, him to the door Listen, honestly, I feel like that if someone's probably me that never made so much yes. money. <laughs> the business plan, like delivering fresh coconuts, ginger, and mangoes, like during pandemic, like this is what people need, man. Like, if you want his details, I'll slide him straight to you after this, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but um, bro, obviously it's a privilege to have you on the show today, man. Totally, like it's, thank you. It's, I know you're a busy guy, and to even get a bit of time, like um, and something that like I ask a lot of the guests who come on Peace and No Mind because um, I know you're a, an avid fan and a major listener of the show right yeah man of course <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> bro you requested to come on like um, <laughs> no it's not that but you know what it is I ask all the guests what does a peace of mind mean to you and how is it best achieved a peace of peace of mind for me is if I'm honest peace of mind for me is just being around my, my family you know um but if I put that aside, if I put that aside, you know, because that for me, that's the obvious answer, being with my kids, my missus and all that. But if I put that aside and, you know, real peace of mind with like no one around, it would just be me either at my computer writing, just coming up with new things. You know, I get I'm so busy these days. I don't get enough time to write like I used to. I used to be so prolific and I don't really get enough uh, as much time to do that. So peace of mind for me would be either me how how my real chill time for me personally is me at my computer writing or me just sitting on the sofa playing a video game and just immersing myself in that and just taking my mind off everything and that's sort of the only time I really do it you know I'm a, I'm an avid gamer but it's not like you know and lockdown's been good for that because I've had a few more hours than I would usually but you know it's never ceased me from being able to do my work going back to the discipline thing I've always been disciplined enough to be like okay I need to put this down now and go do work. So I've always been that guy. But just immersing myself in that world and whatever it is, whether it's an adventure game like a GTA or a Zelda or whether it's, you know, a life sim like The Sims or Animal Crossing, like for me, just building your own world. And again, it's being creative, isn't it? It's like doing it the way you want to do it or, you know, those sorts of things. So for me, that is that is real peace of mind because it enables me to not think about anything else. Right. So what Animal Crossing and The Sims have been taking up most of your time? 
Well, I don't have the Sims anymore. I don't Animal Crossing for sure. I don't have the Sims because I don't do PC gaming. I always thought like for me, I look at computers and I think work. So computer for me is work. I used to play Sims on console, but when they stopped busting it on the console, I just dropped out. So for me now... It's just the Animal Crossing life on the, on the Switch. Yeah, no, I hear that completely, man. And The Sims, iconic game, like iconic, oh, I love like, it. Yeah, yeah. Literally crafting a future that many yeah. can achieve, like or 100%. many few. Can, yeah, it's a mad. If one. they ever drop that on a on a, if that ever comes back to like PS or 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 Switch, then it's over for me. I swear we can start a campaign. What, do you want to go fund me or something? Like, we can make, <laughs> we can make that a thing, bro. Like, EA, I think it's EA that do it. EA. EA. All right, cool. A quick tweet after this. Yeah, yeah we're on our way. <laughs> but um, yeah, so obviously you've, you've kind of like broken that down and you're one of these guys who I've seen constantly in whether TV, film, um, as this figure who continuously is, is helping to push the boundaries. And like you said, in terms of writing, it's been one of those things some of the earliest work I've seen um, has definitely caught me and like changed the landscape or mirrored the landscape of our generation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was kind of like at the beginning of your journey, like what was, how, how did you kind of get introduced to acting or directing or what was, what was the kind of initial path? Did you grow up and say, boom, this is it. This is what I'm doing. It's weirdly is something that I wanted to do from a very young age. Um, like my middle son is nine and I was pretty sure by nine I wanted to act but yeah if I ask my kids now what they want to do they probably can't tell me um, but it wasn't it wasn't really physically possible because you know there was nobody knew it. my mum didn't know how. she was an immigrant who came here she didn't know about any of that stuff so it was just a dream really and then I met a guy when I was working in the gym who just gave me a chance to audition for something. And when he gave me the chance to audition for that thing, um, that was the first job I got before having an agent, before any of that stuff. Uh, his name was Ricky Biroble. And he was a, you know, he's a, a, a writer, director and activist for gay rights and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, he gave me a chance to audition and, uh, and I got that role. And he was, instru- he was instrumental in my life as well, not only for, for other reasons is that, you know, growing up where I grew up in West London and being around the people I was was around, you like, you know, like being gay was still a a, a problem. You know what I mean? So meeting meeting him, I was working in the gym and him coming in there. You know, I'd be with my friends, be like, oh, look, there's that brother again. You know, da, 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 da. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. So getting to know him as a person and and realizing that oh, just because someone likes me, it don't mean they like you. Mm. Was all all of those things were 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 you know, mind-blowing for me at the time. Obviously, now it sounds silly. And I remember when I got the audition for the show, because the show, my character was the son of two gay men, two black gay men in in the show. So this is a groundbreaking show, like in 1999. So my character was the son of two gay men. I remember telling my barber at the time, he's not my barber now, by the way, this is a (laughs) But my barber at the time, when I told him about the audition and told him about the show, literally stopped the, the clippers. Um... And was like, yo, if you do that show, you can't come back in here. Okay. You can't come back in here and get your hair cut. Like, we, we, can't, we can't have it. They're going to turn you. Like, all this stupid, all this stupid rhetoric. Do you know what I mean? But at the time when you're 19 or 20, whatever, 21, you're scared. You know, you think, oh, my God, am I going to be ostracized from all my peers? Am I going to, you know what I mean? But then being as strong as I always was, I was like, well, okay, think about this now. Are these guys here telling you not to do this? Are they going to pay your bills? when you're older are they going to pay your bills or you know and back then you would never even think about mortgage because owning a place was intangible which wasn't a thing are these guys going to pay your rent when you're older if yes then maybe listen to them if no then you got to do what you have to do so i was like well they're not going to pay my rent i'm pretty sure of that so i went and did it and that was that's how i started the pilot got picked up which was rare back then 
mm-hmm. you know, that we even had to do a pilot. So the pilot got picked up and uh, and it became a six-part series. And then I was the Man. lead in that series. What's it called, bro? I might need to dig through the archives, you know. It's, oh, it's called Metrosexuality. Metrosexuality. Okay, yeah, yeah. Cool. You should look for that. There's images I like I was really young. It was a really colourful, vibrant show because, you know, Ricky was, you know, very, is very sort of exuberant and, you know, uh, and but it was groundbreaking. When I think about that show now, I think about it, it was a show with two, you know, two black male leads. I played their son. They were both gay. There was um, uh, uh, people with disabilities and, and, and gay and straight and lesbian characters, like so ahead of his time. Super important. So, yeah, but mm. so too, too, too ahead of his time. Like a show that came out like that now would still get press. You know, you're talking about 1999 when it just was like two, it was before people were there. The nation wasn't there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, mad. So, because if I think about some of the earliest kind of reflections or something where I'm like, when I think about No Clock, I wouldn't have even been aware of that pre-period. No. Would you say that influenced some of your later writing and some of the, the kind of the, the scenes that you wanted to capture in some of your films? No, not not in that respect, because you see, when I wrote my stuff, like is it in, in Kidhood, for example, some yeah. of the characters are still... They're still homophobic because, you know, what I saw in my area, so Kidderhood was my experience of what I saw in my area, you know, and stuff like that. So, but what, what metrosexuality did, of course, was change my life as, a, as it made me a better person in terms of understanding that people were different. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Understanding that there are good people that are from all walks of life and understanding that just because someone likes dudes, it don't mean he's trying to get you every time you turn your back. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Is that real? But there was something you were talking about, um, and I'm glad that you kind of led on to like kid adulthood, um, because that to me was potentially one of the first introductions that that I met. And in terms of you saying you grew up in what Labrick Grove was it? West yeah, London. I grew up exactly where the films are set. Yeah. So I'm I'm from Kilburn, so I went to school. Not, not in, far, yeah. Not far at all. So um, like kid adulthood, like remember when seeing that? I was like, what in year nine, and the trailer was going around on Bluetooth, bro. I had to rewatch the film when I knew I was interviewing you. Yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah. honestly. Bro, that was, it's like one of the most iconic, like literally is like the cornerstone of like my, my, my growing up, something that really reflects the, the, the kind of the, the landscape at the time. Yeah. It took me all the way down memory lane, like all the way back down memory lane, man. When was the last time that you watched it? Uh, probably a few years back. I don't, I don't know. I think it was on TV and I just had it on in the background and, and was watching it. And uh, yeah, probably a few years back. I mean, it, it is what it is. It's become that one of those seminal British mm. films that, you know, reached out and touched a a generation and spawned not only that, but spawned two other films that were even, even each one more successful than the last. So like, it's a staple British trilogy. Do you know what I mean? uh, Bro, all three of them are actually mad. But if we're even looking at like, say for example, kidhood, you were touching on some real issues, like from the jump, bro. Like, it's like at the time I was watching it, but then looking back as an adult now and watching it, you're like mental health, it opens up straight away. Depression, mental health, bullying, led to this girl's, led to this girl's suicide. And this is the reason they had the day off and they had to reflect what grief was in year nine, 10. And bro, it was absolutely- Taxis not stopping for black guys. Bro, literally. 
really, yeah. man. Like even even some of like the, the the minor details of like walking down Oxford Street on your and on, getting on the day, yeah. getting going going up. in the shop with your hat on and coming out, and the security guard gripping uh, you up, taking off his Burberry hat, flicking yeah. it in his throat. They, there's some moments in that, like, yeah. and it, it still hits. It still hits as hard, man. What was what was what was kind of the thought process in like who who was in the room when like what was that whole? No, I wrote of, it. I wrote it on my own. Obviously that. Later drafts, there were notes and I would sit with the director and some of the producers, you know, and we would do rewrites and there were notes and stuff like that. But I wrote that on my own, like the thought process, the thought process, there wasn't a thought process apart from life and experience and what I had experienced. Do you know what I mean? All the things in the film there were things, apart from the, the uncle with the, you know, drilling, the, <laughs> apart from the uncle, apart from the uncle, from his yeah, corner of the mark to that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> apart from the uncle and, and the gun drilling, <laughs> All the other stuff, <laughs> like you know, being a teenager and having sex with the girls, and yeah. and 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 um, the the cabs not stopping for you, yeah. getting draped up by security guards coming out of shop with with something when you know you haven't stolen anything. Yeah. You know, all of that stuff there was just stuff that had happened to me. The film is based. That film is based on me and three of my friends. So so uh, the 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 Mooney character is is based on my friend Phil. But I'm still tight with him now. I'm his his daughter's godfather. He's my son's godfather. Um, like that's my boy. That the Mooney character is based on him, and then the other a male a trife is based on me, and then the other character is based on uh, a guy called two guys, uh, one white guy and one Colombian guy who are both sort of a bit crazy like that, and is <laughs> is melded is melded into the the third character. And that the film was based on us. So like it it was never really about there was a thought process or a plan. Or a message is like this is what life was. Looking back, did you have a Sam in your life then as well? Yeah, 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 hundred <laughs> percent. The, the thing Sam's. is, there's a, a few of them, yeah. <laughs> and, and it was like I, again, I wasn't really, you know, like the book. I wasn't really bullied a lot, but there was a guy. There was definitely a guy that just used to an older guy, and there was a girl that was in my year that he liked. It's, it's, it always starts from minor stuff. So in real life, I was like 12 or whatever. Um, and this guy was like 15. And there was a girl in my year that he liked. And she liked me. So that was it. That was enough for walking through the corridor, getting barge. You know what I mean? Dashing man in the bushes, like pulling your bag. Do you know what I mean? And, and all them business there. But what he didn't like is that I would stand up to him. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He'd be like, and this so, guy's got courage. He's got spirit. Yeah, but they, they don't like that. So they have to get more. They have to get more because obviously... That's when it's like a danger for them. Because if a 12-year-old box him in his mouth, it's a, it's a problem for him. Isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So so then, it, you know, it was a little bit more, but but yeah, he, he, I, feel, I can't remember what happened to him, actually. He's dead now. Oh, wow. But so, I, it wasn't me, by the way, but... Yeah. <laughs> but, no, um, bro. Yeah, but this yeah. is this is what I mean about you holding a mirror up. The reason why that sat so true with so many people was because they could see a reflection of their class, of their their kind of school, and a little bit of themselves in some of the characters. Hundred like, percent. I even remember the scene like there's an opening scene like where the girls getting bullied in the actual classroom. And yeah, I, right. bro, I could tell you like each character who that would have been in my year, and that yeah. exact circle that by someone saying something is like, hey, you got played, hundred percent, turning yeah. it, man, hundred percent. So in that, like, 
obviously, how did that even, um, how did you start getting that into a thing? Because you're saying this is a reflection of um, the life you're living and the people yeah. you are around. But how did we now envision getting that on a screen? And like, what were kind of some of the, the, the opportunities for success and the barriers? Well, I didn't envision it. I just wanted to write. I, like I said, I started writing, you know, to stop driving myself crazy, just peace of mind. Mm. And so I remember just... Uh, thinking about that idea and just one night just waking up like four o'clock in the morning and just started writing i wrote like 40 pages the first day and then just took my time with it after that for uh, our next couple of weeks and then and then wrote it and one of the first people i showed was ricky i think he was the first person to read it and he was like yo this is this is special you know i was like huh really he's like yeah man nobody's this is gonna you know nobody's saying things like this and i was like i i'm not really trying to say anything i'm just like this is this is life for me you know yeah, and then what did, was it? Was it picked up by a production company, or was it? Nah, in, in nobody wanted to pick time? it up. This man. is no what I would have thought. There was nothing like this that of my of my generation. Nobody wanted to pick it up. It ended up being made privately by private people because not one of these companies wanted to pick it up. Not one of them. Damn, man. And we went to every, we knocked on every single door, every single door you can think of, you know, BBC, Film 4, like all of them, every single one, uh, the doors were knocked on and not one of them wanted to pick it up. Can you remember what they were saying to you guys? Like, no, just because won't reach an audience. Uh, yeah, won't reach an audience, unrealistic, kids don't behave like this. <laughs> uh, we don't understand what they're saying. We don't think people will watch a film like this. Can you, can you dull the language down? Can it be more palatable? Do the leads have to be black? Like it's endless. It's endless. It's yeah. endless, endless, endless. And then what can you remember sort of the aftermath? And some of it was like when you first knew, like, wow, we've probably got something mad here. Was it the trailers when that was coming out? Because I remember that getting circulated around Bluetooth and it was like, yo, this is this is what is this? What is this? This is mad. Well, it's the marketing as well. Like, you know, very early on, the marketing team at the time, like we knew when we they were talking to us about well, right, how we're gonna do this the traditional way we were like nah man you can't do it the traditional way so we researched things that we could do differently so there were rizzlers there were kiddo rizzlers he swear were, down yeah what lighters was, as well yeah no nah, there wasn't lighters but it was just like you got your papers but the box was said kiddo on it there were stickers there were condoms so it was <laughs> it was done in a way because back then nobody was identifying that teenagers were doing these things everyone was kind of like ah my child doesn't do that but the kids knew they did it. So the moment you started putting these things out, they just went wild for it. Stickers were everywhere. Bam. Sometimes I'll be walking somewhere and I'll still see like on a lamppost, like a half tall and half thing, kiddo with stickers still. There's <laughs> even one. History is an artifact. Yeah, there's even one on, on one of Banksy's uh, pieces of art that he's done. Uh, oh. I, can't, I don't know where it is, but it's got a kiddo with sticker on it and it's left on there. It's, 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 been, it's stayed on there. So it makes me question which is the more priceless piece of art there, boy. Because that well, stickers, that is a moment in time as well. It's a moment in time, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but obviously I think the, the, that's all part of it, isn't it? Because now it's on that piece of art. That's all part of the... Anyone who buys it, it buys it with that. That's part of it, you know? Um, you know, so it, it, it was a moment in time. Yeah. It was a moment in time. And would you say potentially after that, the, the momentum for your kind of your future, like, was that was that what probably one of the catalysts? I mean, I don't know, man. I'll, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. after, I'll be honest with you. After that, nothing really happened. I swear. No, yeah, nobody, no, none of these, none of these companies supported me. None of them nurtured me to say, actually, how can we nurture this? How can we nurture this young talent and and build him to become a, a, a British 
talent? How can we? None of them. They did nothing. So what were you? You just like I'm going back to the drawing board and I need to yeah, just keep I just, writing. I just went back to the drawing board and I just kept writing. Luckily, luckily for me, my acting because of my hard work and that was taken off and I had done Avida Saint Pet, which is a show called Avida Saint Pet, mm-hmm. which was a massive British show. Um, and I'd done that. And again, that was a show where I got the, the job. And they, then they were, you know, afterwards they were like, oh, we have one question. Can he drive? And I was like, I can't drive. And they were like, mm, we're not sure. We're not sure we can give him the job. Uh, but if he can pass his driving test in the next three weeks, then we'll give him the job. So yeah. I managed to learn to drive in, yeah. in the three weeks and pass the test to get the job. And you done it. And I did it. There we go. Let's come back to the determination and drive that you're talking work about. The work I remember ethic. I didn't even tell my girl or my mum. I remember coming home. <laughs> coming home. I'm, look, I'm looking at her. Do you remember this way? <laughs> yeah, she's nodding. I'm oh, looking at her. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't tell them. I came home and I just was like, sat down. And I was like, I, got, I don't know if I said I got something to tell you. Or they came in the kitchen. I was like, pass my driving test. And then they were like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but I, I knew to myself, if I told them, I would have felt too much pressure. Mm. So I just didn't say anything. I think that's sometimes just how it is, though. Like, certain times when I've got something big that I'm working on, I prefer to just nurture it in peace. Yeah. Like, when you tell and you bring on those expectations, you're also yeah. carrying other people's <laughs> want for you to do well. And it's People like, buying know, the congratulations yeah, card. Yeah. <laughs> buying you and a then, car and that. And then, it's and like, then oh. you walk in and you didn't pass it and they go, oh, never mind. And you just, uh, next oh, time, innit? Don't nice. worry, though. I believe in you still. Yeah, no, so... I just didn't tell anyone. And then I remember my mum ran out and got a card or whatever. But but yeah, I did that for the job. And I think that's the that's the keys and it? it's the determination mm. to show that we 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 can we can do this. And kind of just the last bit on that kid adulthood thing, when you look back, like, is there like any major failures that you kind of experienced throughout the movies that you were like, all right, cool, now I've seen this and now I've got 10, 15, 20 years experience. It's like what 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 is it that you might have changed about it or any any failure that you yeah i think no failures i don't i, I don't regret anything but i think after doing kid adulthood 4321 which i love as well uh directing wise what did i do the next thing i directed was was a thing called the anomaly which is a sci-fi which i didn't i didn't actually write somebody else wrote it and i was just enamored with it and I made that film and I probably, I probably shouldn't have made that. I probably should have made something that I had written. I probably should have made something that I had written because we just didn't get enough money for that movie. We didn't get enough money to make that movie. So I'm making a movie on 2 million that should really be made for 5 to 10. Do you know what I mean? And it's just, it, 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 you can see you can see that. Well, you can yeah. see the movies feeling a bit tight or is it? In yeah, you can of, just yeah. see that you're, you're just struggling for budget and you're... Mm. You're trying to do things that, you know, and some of, it's got some of the best fight scenes, you know. I directed these one-shot fight scenes, you know, so they're all they're all done in one shot. Like, there's no cuts in the scenes, in the fight scenes. Mm. And so they're really choreographed. They're beautiful. And some, you know, I was really proud of the directing and that, you know, something I've always been proud of. So I don't dislike the film itself. But as a whole, it's just like, there just wasn't enough money to make that, that film. So you end up making sort of a B-movie. and so then then that's why I went back to you know I'd grown up I had kids and then I started thinking about what would Sam do if he had kids because I had kids and my mindset was different so I was like how would he be if he had children so I started thinking about that and next thing I just wrote brotherhood this is it so what Sam you still have to tap into your inner Sam every now and then like yeah yeah (laughs) just in the thought process you know because I was I was thinking about things differently Mm. So I was like, well, if I'm thinking about things differently, how imagine would how, how would he? Because he went to jail, 
comes out of jail after six years and then you have adulthood. Even though it was only two years in real life in the films, it's six years. Then you have adulthood and he has a very bad day the day he comes out of jail. As we know, that's what the film is. Then he ends up with the white girl. I'm like, well, what happened next? Did he have kids? And I started thinking about that. You know, and once I started thinking about that, then I was like, all right, I think I have something to say. Because a lot of people wanted me to do the third one after the second one. Because the third, second one made like 3.3 million. And that was like, everyone was like, what? In 2008, you released yeah. that, didn't it? it yeah, was, they were yeah. so surprised. They were yeah. like, do another one. I don't have anything to say. But when I did Brotherhood in 2016, I had something to say because I had, I had children and my mindset was different. So do you think there's an important like kind of message in that in terms of doing things when you're ready and when you're kind of speaking, you're, you're speaking the truth of a project you're working on rather than kind of feeling pressured? Yeah, ideally, ideally, I think, ideally, I think if you can, you know, uh, if you can do things from the heart and do things when you're feeling them, you know, the results will be better than if you're just trying to do things for money and whatnot. Because sometimes I get offered, I got offered something recently, which was a lot of money. And, you know, chatting with the missus as well, you know, she's smart, we're talking about it. And I was like, whoa, this money's good, you know, but I said, I need to, I need to think, I need to think about this because, you know, when you're like, should I do this? I don't know if I should do this. She just said, look, we, we ain't never done nothing for money, don't we? We've been poor, like dirt poor. Like we, we ain't never done nothing for money. So if, you, if you're getting that feeling like I'm not sure, don't do it for the money. So I just said, no, just didn't do it. You didn't do it in the end. And what no. you kind of just left that, like a Dave Chappelle moment, what, 50 mil? No, nah, not that much. <laughs> I, might have done it. It. <laughs> I might have done it for 50 million. Yeah. <laughs> if it was 50 million, I might have swallowed it. There we go. Then, you, know, like, you know what? Let's just work with that. Yeah, um, you know no, that's I mean? no, mad. Um, and obviously now you, you've obviously released the, the kidhood, the adulthood and brotherhood. Just, yeah. just out of, uh, um, from a personal kind of perspective, what film has, has probably the, a place, a special place in your heart out of the three? Obviously they all do, but if it's <clears> like, <throat> yo. Um, you see, it's a difficult one. <clears throat> and the reason I can't answer that is because it is all of them. But I'll tell you why, you know. Um, and then I'll tell you, and then I'll tell you something else, a film that is in my heart, like, you know, equally. But so the reason it's all of them is because Kidlehood is the first one. And that that birthed that birthed a genre. You know what I'm saying? If it wasn't for that film, there's so many films and so many things that wouldn't be happening and wouldn't have happened right now. You know, without Kidlehood, there's no bulletproof. Yeah. Without Kidlehood, there's no top boy. Do you know what I mean? Knock on effect. The, the, the knock on effect. Without kidhood, there's no attack the block because they didn't realize that our our, our youth could. Do, do you see what I'm saying? So no one can take that away from that movie and what it did. It doesn't matter what comes out after and is more is potentially more successful or blah 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 blah. That's irrelevant. It's like that. For, so for me, that holds up. Adulthood was the first film that I directed. You you can't really take away from that. And that's the one that won me the BAFTA. And that's the one that you could say changed my life. Because when you win, even though I still wasn't treated the same way certain other uh, persuasions of people would have been treated when they won, you know, but it still put me in a place that was like in an elite group of people where suddenly more people started paying attention. Mm. So again, with that one, I can't really separate it. And then brotherhood is the thing that put me back. Without bullet, without brotherhood, there's no bulletproof. Because arguably, after adulthood, you know the other stuff I've done in between. You know, you start to just become a regular job and actor. Done some other films that I acted in that didn't work in the same way. Stories twenty four hours in didn't really work in the same way. You know, a couple of comedies I was producing, but the things weren't really popping off like they were before. And then started thinking about doing that film. And when I did that film, every firstly nobody wanted to make it. 
Can you believe that? First Brotherhood. Really? After, yeah, man. Because it's in the Again, what what even, it So you're telling them, look, I got this, I got that, and you've but, been seeing me, and they're still telling you, no, 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 yeah, this, this so, isn't representative. Yeah, firstly, no one wanted to make it. <laughs> and then the people that did make it said, because the world has changed since the last film, it's almost 10 years since adulthood or whatever, and there's Instagram, and there's Facebook, and there's Twitter, and there's Netflix, and there's this. It's never going to make as much money as adulthood. So be prepared to know that you might make one and a half million, but that's a good result. Like, be happy with that result. And in my heart of hearts, I was like, now nah, we can beat the other film. I was like, sure, we can beat it. And they were like, no way, because, the, you know, 3.3 now is the equivalent of seven or eight back then. And it's just not, with all the distractions that people have and their smartphones and Netflix, they're not going to come out. They just won't. They don't come to the cinema in the same way. So, you, you know, you want to make at least, you want to make at least double your budget. You know what I mean? Because what that does for the distributor is unlocks loads of things. So if you if you're if a TV company is going to buy the film to put on TV, if it doesn't make a certain amount of money, they only have to pay a certain amount of money. But if it makes a certain amount of money, then they have to pay a lot more, and it's worth more around the world from everyone if it makes a certain amount of money in a box office. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the tiers are like two fifty, five hundred million, one million, two million, three million. Do you know what I mean? And so suddenly you have a film that makes three million, which is rare for a British film, then it's worth X amount around, the, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so Brotherhood comes out and ends up on like 3.9, which not only beats all the others, like both Kidderhood and Adulthood put together, but actually, you know, gets to like top of the box office, number two or whatever, and is a massive success. And suddenly it kind of brought me back. It brought me back in a place where when I started pitching Bulletproof and it got taken to Sky, it wasn't like, well, where's he been for all this time? It was like, well, he's come off the back of that hit film. So what, now, like, looking back over your career, like, what is one thing for certain that you know about navigating through the world? Hmm. Well, navigating is difficult because literally until last week, black people couldn't talk their mind, you know what I mean? Because people were scared, you know? And the only black actor, well, apart from me, who's always been speaking my mind, but a lot of the black actors that were talking my mind were ones that had left and gone to America and were doing well and only started talking when they were doing well, you know what I mean? So that's always been a thing to navigate for people of colour is like they couldn't speak up, they couldn't say too much because you just didn't replace or locked off. You understand what I'm saying? So what would you say that it's always always important to speak your mind from the jump even when it can compromise your, no, your income? I, I, I wouldn't say that because I feel like for a lot of people that's unfair and for a lot of people they can't do that because repercussions mean they may never work again or, or, or whatnot. But I think now... As in, as you've seen everything that's happened in the last yeah. week or so, I think now is a time where people can start to speak up or at least put their experiences forward and let those people sort of understand the way they've been treating us for since the beginning of time. And this is something that you probably would have experienced over your whole career as 100, well, right? 100%. And I even said, you know, not as, probably not as much as others because I did my own thing. So I went through my battles on my own stuff, but I was getting my own stuff made through by hook or by crook. So even for some of the others, I probably didn't realise how much they were getting because they were just jobbing actors. I was directing and producing before everyone. So my thing was like, well, fine, if them men are going to behave like that, we'll make it ourselves and we'll find a way. So I wasn't just in the grindstone. But then when I really think about it, I wasn't in the grindstone because I could see that I wasn't getting the opportunity. So I started making them myself. And that made you have to pick up other, other well, not even pick up, but hone your other skill sets as well, or rather yeah. than just relying on being an actor alone. A hundred, Yeah, exactly. And was that kind of the, 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 the catalyst for you starting that Unstoppable Entertainment, your own production company? What, what yeah. was that to create stuff that you wanted to see? 100%. I was very early on. I was like, why am I doing so much work? And then these other people are coming in and making so much money. And I ain't getting the same amount of money. So I'm, like, I'm starting my production company. 
So you want to do a film, one of my films, and ride off my name and of my coattails? When it comes to the production fee, I got to get half of that, or it's not happening. And that's how we roll. And then what was this? So one of you've you've been producing um, TV shows and films through the production company, right? Yeah. Um, I'm late to the game, but I watched yeah. one of the first episodes of Bulletproof the other day. What season Bro, one or two? Season one, man. I'm just, like, I'm oh, here. I'm climbing. Behind. I'm behind. No, but this you're is behind, what I mean. Yeah. I'm climbing. I didn't have now TVs because I wanted yeah. to do it legitly. I wouldn't kind of yeah. like stream or anything. Yeah. But. Bro, it's actually sick, and I'm, I know, I know that's just <laughs> yeah. the intro. I know that's just the intro. Like, and yeah. I haven't got the the kind of full breadth of it. I knew I was expecting some stuff, yeah. but within the first five minutes, you know, it had me like completely. From time yeah. I see Sabine over that bonnet, Bam. you know, yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah. "All right, cool." There's no games yeah. here. There's nothing. There's not even a small joke here. This is yeah. like top tier stuff. Like, yeah. and yeah, kind of talk me through that process. Like, what were you guys? Because you you were saying obviously all of the work that you've been doing had allowed something like bulletproof to to yeah. come through and shine. So yeah. was that was that something you just started pitching with Unstoppable? Or? Well, I, I've been pitching it for years. Ashley and I came up with that show like seven years ago. Came up with the idea seven years ago. And we've been pitching it for years, you know, um, and thought about doing it in many, many different ways. Um, but always our central idea was the two cops, uh, one with a family, one without, one being the complete, not complete goodie, but kind of the guy that is a bit more responsible and the other one kind of being crazy. That was always our core idea. Bro, I pitched that for years, man. Years and years and years and years and nobody wanted to do it. Mm. And then finally someone at Sky took it to Vertigo and they went to Sky as well, who I'd already spoken to. Um, and the people at Sky were like, and it was a, it was a black woman in charge at the time. Okay. And she said, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And, and you know, I still think the expectations from the rest of the department weren't as high. And it came out and it just smashed it. It just smashed it. And then we got season two and season two was like the biggest return in drama they've ever had. But you, you said in a tweet that Bulletproof would have never, like they was never going to work or sell with two black leads kind of at the front of it. That was That's what we were told, yeah. That's what we were told. Mm. And yeah, what that's you know, what we were told. I was told that in meetings. I was told that many times. Told that by people that sell, sell. That's what we were told. Um, you know, and you know, there maybe it may not still sell as much as a show with a full white cast, but it works and it sells. You know, the the, the US premiere of season two is on June tenth. They're playing season one at the moment, so like it's working, man. Mm. CW didn't just go, oh, we're going to remake it. They're showing our show. Mm. You know that's what I mean? Crazy. That's crazy, man. But yeah, man, I'm I'm looking forward to like this is it now. That that's me. I'm I'm fully in. Like I'm in. Like, I'm like, after this. Like again, I'm just gonna start like smashing it out straight into two. I yeah, messaged my boy straight it, away. I was like, why did you not tell me about bulletproof <laughs> like that? Has like, he not seen it? No, he had. He's like, of course, I've watched it all. And I was like, <laughs> and you never mentioned a thing, bruv. You never even tried to bring me in. Like you're just sending me gangs of London. No one wants fine. to see that. I want to see what this is like. This is fine, like fine. the action scenes are intense, bro. And yeah, man, it, this is high end, high quality sort of like this is te televisionized finest, man. Mate, you and wait it, till you get to season. I know, two, I know, in it. Ah, just wait without killing it. Just, just what put on some episodes this evening. Chill out. Finish yeah. season one by the yeah. weekend. Yeah. And Season two, watch season two, bro. It yeah. just gets bigger. It just gets bigger and better. Jeez. All right. So, bro, obviously, I know I don't have you for long, but I just wanted to kind of touch on um, recently I've seen you've been uploading um, Career Chronicles. Yeah. Yeah. And what was what was kind of the, the concept behind that? Is that you do you just are you are you trying to help people or expose journeys within other? Yeah. Just kind of like what you're doing today. I've just been trying to talk about people's journeys in the business and how they got there and you know, how they feel and, you know, just showing people that 
you know, sometimes there are hard times, but you can persevere and get through. And that's what I've just been doing. And it's uh, it's been proven popular. I didn't, I got one coming on today, but I didn't really promote it yesterday because obviously, you know, we were just on the the, the black square team. Yeah. You know, so I didn't, oh my God, I can't believe this. Wait, what's happened? I'm looking at a trending thing, White Lives Matter. Are you serious? What now? Yeah. Hold on. Worldwide Trends, number five. White Lives Matter. Let me click on this stupidness. <laughs> What do you think of even the black square yesterday? Um, I thought it was important for the reason that, I, I, you know, there's a lot of people that probably just put it up because they're just trying to fit in or whatever like that. But I think it's important that you're identifying allies, hopefully allies. And also that, you know, you can you can see who's disingenuous, you know what I mean? And you can see who's not putting it up. And that's important. That's important. Mm. But I, is there anything major that's coming out um, this in the next year or two? Is there anything sick that you're working on? What is, what's it looking like for you at the minute? Well, working on a lot of stuff, man. Like there's a lot of stuff that I can't talk about. There's some stuff I don't know about. You know, I'm supposed to be acting in a show that got shut down uh, because of the corona. As a producer, we had a show that we were shooting in Ireland and we had to stop production on that because of the virus. So there's a lot of things going on. It's just about when we get back up and running properly and, and see what we can um, see what we can get get going, you know. But bro, you're an absolute G, man. Honestly, man, Thank like you. just to even to have like just to have some time with you man, <laughs> and kind of unpack. I'm, I'm probably not even a, I'm exposed like a tenth of your journey, bro. <laughs> but it's one of those things like to even hear about and some of the obstacles and some of the ways that you've had to maneuver. Yeah. Like those are important. 100 um, percent yeah yeah before i go there's just three quick questions i want to yeah ask of course yeah, yeah. yeah the happiest day of your life um three days each time the kids were born okay happiest professional career professional day of your life happiest professional day um hmm. probably i don't know because pro professional is not really about happy it's just that it's working i just <laughs> let me think let me think though maybe let's say let's say Brotherhood uh, Numbers Day, when the numbers first came in for Brotherhood. Because if that film had flopped, then I don't really know what would have happened after that. You know what I mean? Because, you know, as I said to you earlier, it brought me back in a way that was like, boom, you know, and it helped get Bulletproof off the ground and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, everyone told me it could never work. It could never be as successful as the other ones 10 years ago because the audience just was not there and nobody wanted to do it. And then, you know, someone took a chance on it and it, broke, it mashed up adulthood. It made you know, nearly, nearly 4 million. And if we didn't get, if we never got pulled out of cinemas by some cinemas, we would have been over four, you know? Um, something that overwhelms you? Mm, not much, to be honest. I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty level-headed dude. I would say watching, watching children being born. That's a good one. And you, you know, you, that's why people are so protective of their kids. You see them take their first breath, open their eyes for the first time. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. And I've, I've not missed any of them. I've been there for all three. Sick. Final question. Yeah, but Best piece of advice you've been given by someone else? Best piece of advice. There's been many over the years. I think that a very simple one is one I think is, that is, is important to articulate to people listening. Is like, be kind. And think about how you're treating people. You know, people always add the phrase or add the end of that sentence on the way up. Think about how you treat people on the way up. But I'm just like, just think about how you treat people. Like we're not, we're not perfect, but the best advice I've given is just think about how you treat people because number one, we should just be nice if we can. We all have bad days. We get up on the wrong side of the bed, get vexed or someone's 
you've asked for chicken for five days and it's been good for five days and on the sixth day it comes up mad and you're like, bro, you've done it for five days. How do you not know how to do it? Like, there's always times you can snap, but generally check yourself, apologize, like be kind to people because, you know, and I would have that suffix sometimes like on the way up because you see the same people on the way down. You know what I mean? And it doesn't take much to be kind. Man, powerful final words, man. Yeah, man. Oh, man. No, honestly, you're an absolute G, bro. And I knew that before, but obviously even having the time to chat to you now, man, um, it means a lot. And thank you for coming on. Thank you.